Yes, and I'm looking forward to the night before Thanksgiving when we put the bacon around that turkey and (laughs) stick them in the oven. (laughs) That's always fun. Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. Grab a cup of coffee and join Colleen Tinker and Nikki Stevenson as they discuss their life after Adventism. Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. I'm Colleen Tinker. And I'm Nikki Stevenson. Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! This week in the United States, we're celebrating our annual Thanksgiving celebration. So today we're going to talk about something I didn't really like as an Adventist, and that is being thankful. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I didn't like the idea of thankfulness so much, but it just all seemed so formulaic to me. Anyway, it always felt like I should be thankful. It was a rule I was supposed to follow, but it felt contrived and it felt forced. From inside my Adventist head, life never looked reliable enough to really feel thankful for it or for anything about it. Oh, there are certain things I knew would be consistent, but I always felt afraid for the future and unsure that I would be able to have the kind of life I wanted. So today, We're going to talk about how different Thanksgiving is for us now as former Adventists and as born-again Christians. But before we talk about that, I want to remind you that we love hearing from you. You can always write to us at formeradventist at gmail.com, and you can go to proclamationmagazine.com to find our online articles and magazines, and you can find links there to our YouTube channel and to this podcast. You can also find the podcast transcripts that have already gone up. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and give us a five-star review if you like this podcast wherever you listen to them. And now, Nikki, I have a question for you. Okay. How did you experience Thanksgiving as an Adventist? Well, you know, Thanksgiving was just a secular holiday in my mind. And I understand on the calendar, it is just a secular holiday. But when I became a Christian, everything changed, even the holidays. I think I've talked about that on here before. Even the 4th of July was different (laughs) for me as a believer. Um, But growing up... Thanksgiving was just about what was going on around me. The decorations, the food, the smells, the people, the company, the day off of school. Yeah. That was kind of all there was to it. I didn't ever think of it in terms of my faith. I get that. What about you? Well, for me, Thanksgiving was mostly about the food, which is interesting because Adventist food isn't isn't well known for its delicacy, but My mother was the daughter of European immigrants to Canada, and she had learned to cook from her Central European mom. So they grew their own meat, and her mom had taught her to cook with cream and butter. (laughs) What could be better, right? So for my sister and me, Thanksgiving was really about the food. I don't remember much else about the day. Because um, it wasn't necessarily associated with extended families. Once in a while, we would get together with cousins. On those occasions, we would have a roast turkey. But otherwise, it was, you know, the homemade pumpkin pies, the homemade rolls, the <laughs> the mock turkey, <laughs> which I find now to be such a funny thing because it wasn't more healthful than white meat Mm-mm. on a turkey. I mean, it was made with 
cottage cheese and sour cream and fried chick and a lot of ground walnuts and eggs. And it was very rich. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because when I asked Richard about Thanksgiving as a kid, his remembrances of it were somewhat like yours. Mm-hmm. In fact, he said he almost doesn't remember food at all except for the terrible pumpkin pies, (laughs) which didn't taste like pie. So for him, Thanksgiving was an anti-food holiday. Did his mom not use sugar? She tried not to. Okay. Yeah. She tried not to use sugar and definitely no meat. Um, He said he doesn't even remember entrees. He suspects they probably had lentil loaf or cottage cheese loaf of some sort, but but he does remember the anti-pies. And how he refused to eat them. He said if his dad (laughs) prevailed, they would sometimes have vanilla ice milk. He would have that for dessert. Or he could smother the anti-pie with the ice milk and get a little taste of sweet. Okay, so that's funny. Yeah. But it's also an example of the kind of moral compromise that you're taught to make in Adventism. Because it's a moral issue most of the year. Absolutely. But on a holiday, it's okay. Yeah to fudge on your values. Oh, yes, exactly. In fact, I was thinking about that in a further way, too, because we typically um, had no problem in Adventist circles as I grew up with the idea of overeating on Thanksgiving and being Mm -hmm. kind of uncomfortable, which is really against the health message. You know, the whole stress on health and diet and fitness and Mm -hmm. lifestyle. With Adventists, the ones I remember being with, they could comp- they could compromise in their heads and give themselves permission to overeat to the point of great discomfort, knowing they would put on their mantle of the health message the next day when they started exercising again. You know, I don't remember food being a, a significant issue um, in my dad's home. My stepmom was a great cook. We had a lot of dairy, too. And they had turkey when I was there for Thanksgiving. I wasn't always there with them. Um, In my mom's side of the family, it's harder for me to remember those Thanksgivings. I think it was kind of like a glorified Sabbath lunch. That makes sense. You know, they were all vegetarian, and so we would often have some kind of vegetarian loaf. But even though we prayed before Mm -hmm. our meals, and sometimes at different gatherings, we'd talk about what we're thankful for. It was still somehow, and maybe it was just my own heart, it was far more secular than I experience now. And I think that's probably because most of us weren't born again as Adventists. How do you truly be thankful Mm -hmm. if you don't know the one who is the provider of everything? Mm -hmm. You You can have the information that, oh yes, all good things are from God, but if you don't know God, it's hard to be truly thankful to Him. It's more of a formula, (laughs) like so much of Adventism, like so much of worship. Who did we sing to, Nikki, when we went to church? You know, who did we pray to? It was that Jesus who was an example. It was that father who was distant or cruel or whatever we thought he was. It wasn't the God of Scripture as I look back on it now. And I think these holidays were similar. Yeah, I remember feeling like... um... For example, the prayer before we ate. Oh, yes. Not just on Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. It always felt like virtue signaling. Yes. (laughs) That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I shared this with you and Richard last week. I'm embarrassed to say that even now sometimes as a believer, um, when I'm in a room full of people and, and I understand that there are things going on or discussed that weren't in line with God's will for us and then... 
you suddenly stop and pray for your food. It, yes. It's always been kind of, I don't know, disjunct in my head. But we did it because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to thank right. God for what He gives, right? I, I remember speaking with a family member who said, I know everything good that comes to me is from God and I'm thankful for that, but I just don't love Him. And it was really sad to hear. But we did know that the blessings in our life were from God, usually because we had been obedient. Exactly. What I've been surprised by as a Christian is that the more I know God, the more I learn about Him, Mm -hmm. the more I come to know Him through my own suffering, Mm -hmm. the more thankful I am and the more I have to be thankful for, if that makes sense. So it goes from a kind of gratitude that's rote and expected to gratitude like legitimate, real yeah. gratitude. Yeah, it's not just a national holiday anymore. Oh, no. And you know, it was interesting to me. I just I just recently found this out. I was actually writing a blog for this week about Thanksgiving. And I learned in a little online research, I had completely forgotten this if I ever knew it, that the first national Thanksgiving was declared by George Washington in 1789. And, um, but it wasn't a national holiday yet. And you know, the very first Thanksgiving actually was celebrated before that by the pilgrims who had survived the journey on the Mayflower and had survived that first winter. There were only 56 of them. And they had formed what was called Plymouth Colony. And they celebrated that first harvest. But it wasn't a national holiday until Abraham Lincoln supported legislation to make it a national holiday in 1863 during the time the nation was divided by the Civil War. I didn't know that. If I had learned that in school, I'd completely forgotten it. And the the thing that I had read, it was kind of interesting because I had found an online source that was called the Massachusetts History Blog. It was saying that Lincoln intentionally supported making this a national holiday at that time, hoping to draw the nation together in a common remembrance of it, of its own past and of thankfulness to God. It was a purposeful thing to draw the nation together in the middle of the division of the Civil War, which I found really interesting. That is interesting. So there was something about it. Even those early, you know, we can question whether these men were actually Christians. I'm not prepared to say they were. But these founding fathers and memorable presidents— they had a certain, we can call it a residual understanding of biblical reality and truth that seems to be sort of forgotten now. And they understood that gratitude to God is a uniting thing. They understood that God was sovereign, even if they didn't necessarily know Him as a born-again believer. And they understood that a shared gratitude to him for what they actually had was a uniting factor. And it kind of made me think of Romans 1, where Paul says that the unbeliever, and this is Romans 1, 23, where he says, they suppress the knowledge of God because they do not honor God as God, and they do not give thanks, and thus their thinking becomes futile and they become depraved. And I thought, you know, that's such an interesting thing. It's that basic Remembering who God is, even if you're not a true believer yet, understanding He's there, understanding He's divine and eternal, and thanking Him is what puts people 
on the path away from self-destruction and depravity and towards increasingly understanding what's true. It's incredible. And there are so many commands in the New Testament for born-again believers to thank God in all things at all times. Yes. So it's really become a much more significant day to me now that I am born again. And I look back and I see there was something about this whole idea of Thanksgiving as a national holiday for the United States of America. Whatever we may say about it at the time, there is still something about it that was a good thing, not just a a virtue signal, but people have made it a virtue signal by suppressing the knowledge of God on their own. Yeah. And you know, I remember a few times anyways, Pastor Gary has talked about the Eucharist. That's right. And you know, that's the word people often use for the communion meal. And it also means Thanksgiving. Yeah. It seems like he brings that up each year around Thanksgiving, that as we remember our Lord, we're thankful. And it's just, it's all colored how I see Thanksgiving. Even when you're born again, the Lord invades all of your life, not just a part of it. He does. And so when you're sitting around that table, like we do on Thanksgiving when we're together, and we go around the room and thank God for something, so many things come to mind because He is so faithful in all things, even hard things. And sometimes I'm especially thankful for the hard things because it's in those places where I come to know him better and trust him more. And I know people don't like to talk so much about how the Lord makes them feel, but I feel stronger the longer I walk with him. I understand that completely. I feel the same way. You know, one of the things that really has struck me in the past, but really strongly this year for some reason. And I think it might partially have something to do with the fact that we have just been immersed in those 28 fundamental beliefs for so long, Mm -hmm. that the contrast between reality and the deception of Adventism is so vivid Mm -hmm. to me. But it's so clear to me that Scripture has given humanity food, not only for sustenance, but for fellowship. This was God's will for man. And I thought, you know, God could have done so many things besides giving us food and the ability to be creative with it. He could have done anything he wanted to keep us alive. We didn't have to actually put things in our mouth and make them taste good to be alive. But that's what he gave us. It's kind of fascinating to me that this very central basic part of life as a human on this earth is one of the things that Adventism has messed with the most and kind of twisted. I mean, when I think about how Richard remembers Thanksgiving food as a child and how you have talked about remembering or not remembering Thanksgiving food as a child, but without remembering the food, that also means you're not remembering any fellowship. The food and the fellowship were intended to go together and how fascinating that Jesus gave us a meal to remember him. You know, in Acts 2, after Pentecost, it was talking about how all these new believers were just so excited to be born again, and they would meet together daily in each other's homes and break bread together and listen to the apostles' teaching, and many were being added. They were eating together. They were celebrating. They were worshiping God together. Food was central. They're celebrating and rejoicing in their new life. And you think about the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. 
You know, the night before they left Egypt, Israel had their first Passover. And remember what God said to do? He didn't say, you know, eat a carrot or two and stick in a twig of broccoli. He said, no. And it was a very tender thing, actually. He said, you prepare the Passover lamb. And it was a lamb that they'd had to live in their house for 14 days. So it was kind of like a pet. And they had to eat that lamb. They had to roast it and share it and eat unleavened bread. And then God led them out. And every year they remembered God's deliverance with a Passover lamb. Now, yes, we can talk about the fact that that was a symbol of the Lord Jesus. Absolutely for sure it was. But still, there was collective rejoicing over God's provision over good food over meat, you know, and Adventism has twisted the purpose of food and has twisted the food God gave us and made it so that even something like a national holiday of Thanksgiving, which originally was about thanking God, has become something where, you know, it's about fake meat or... (laughs) Tofurkey. (laughs) Tofurkey. And a lot of contrived thanks and a lot of veiled resentments around the tables. I mean, the the dysfunction in Adventist Thanksgivings is kind of high on my memory. Mm-hmm. And let's let's consider for a moment the family that's very sincere in their uh, Thanksgiving and in in giving thanks to God during Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. If they have the God that we read about in the 28 fundamental beliefs in mind, yeah. Then we understand the kind of obsessive compulsive need to please that God, to stay in his favor so that they can be among his special remnant people. It's a it's a yearning for something they don't have yet. So even in their sincerity, they have been deceived and they're not living in the freedom that you live in when the sun sets you free. That is such a great point, Nikki. You know what? I remember as a kid, both Thanksgiving and Christmas, having a yearning, a longing for some kind of excitement, joy, peace, connectedness that I never could quite attain. I always thought that comes in heaven. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, here we have it. We have it now in the body of Christ. And like you said, we get together at Thanksgiving. I sure missed having you and your kids and your husband here last year. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad we'll be with you. everything. Yeah. Yes, and I'm looking forward to the night before Thanksgiving when we put the bacon around that turkey and stick them <laughs> in the oven. <laughs> That's always fun. I know. I'm so happy we get to do it again. Me too. <laughs> but I feel that sense of true joy and thanks now that I didn't then. Yeah. And I feel like the people that sit around our table are united in something much bigger than the food. But the food symbolizes it. There's a reason God gave us bread as a symbol of himself, wine as a symbol of his blood. There's a reason he gave us commands to be hospitable. This whole business of eating together is how we share life in really significant ways. And I don't think Adventists really understand the significance of that, especially when you add the health message on top of it. I didn't. I mean, who doesn't like eating? I don't know. Maybe there are people who don't like getting together with their family. Well, maybe so. (laughs) But, but, you know, there are ways to enjoy it for sure. But something wakes up in you when you're saved. Something 
it's everything is just new and different. And, and that celebrating around the table, that is the life that springs forth from what you now know about God. We both have a, a collection of Bible verses in front of us that we are grateful for that, that we thank God for. Do you want to share some of those? I'm going to start with one that I talked about last week when we talked about prayer, and it's Philippians 4, 4 to 7. It's that text that I told you Chris Lee prayed for me when he, when mm. I was facing a diagnosis many years ago, and it has become like a central life verse for me, <laughs> but it just fits this week when we're looking at Thanksgiving again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I know now that this text is is reminding me that whatever the circumstances are, I can ask God for my requests. I can ask Him for what I need, but I thank Him. I thank Him for being my true Father. I thank Him for providing. I thank Him that He knows the answers to these things I'm facing. That's Thanksgiving now to me. What about you? Do you have some? (laughs) Well, yes, I have a probably more than we have time to share. One of my favorite things about the life after Adventism has been replacing what I once wondered about God with what I can now know about Him from His Word. And so there are several verses that came to mind as I was preparing for this that tell me about my God. I'll give you the address for them if people want to look them up, but I'm just going to cut to Cut to the descriptions of God. So from 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5, I see God's sovereignty because He's the one who causes us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and that He is the one who keeps us by His power. So I know I'm secure. It's God who keeps me and chose me. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verses 9 and 10, and 23 through 24, we learn that God did not destine his people for his wrath. We will be saved from the wrath of God. So when I read those scary chapters <laughs> about God pouring his wrath out on the earth, I know that that's not my destiny. He saved me for salvation. And I know that he is the one who sanctifies me in verses 23 and 24. The God of peace himself sanctifies me completely. And so I can trust him as I walk through life and trip and fall and stumble and get picked back up that he is at work in me. And you know, Nikki, it's so interesting because right between those passages from 1 Thessalonians 5 is this, be at peace among yourselves and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. (laughs) It's His will. Yeah. That we live in fellowship, that we live honestly in fellowship. Yeah. Because you have to be honest with each other if you're going to be encouraging and admonishing one another. 
and that we thank Him in all things. And He says in that section that God Himself will keep us blameless at the coming of our Lord. It's incredible. And then in Exodus 34, 5 through 7, God passes by Moses and He declares His own character. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I have read this and written it down and put it up on a wall for me to see as I was coming out of Adventism and wanting to understand, how does God see me? He said, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty. He is just, he's merciful. He's not just looking at me and trying to find reasons to punish me. Right. (laughs) He's a compassionate God, a merciful God. And then in Matthew 11, when Jesus calls us to him and tells us to find rest in him, he describes himself. God, the son, says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, we again see that, that our God and Father is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And wow. all our comfort comes from God. Mm-hmm. He comforts us in all of our afflictions. And of course, there's a so that after that, <laughs> so that we can comfort others. And in Hebrews 6, 17 through 20, we see that we are heirs of an unchangeable promise because of his unchangeable character. That's so We're amazing. secure in him. That's so amazing. So once we know who God is and we trust him and we understand that because of his son taking our sin, that we can be born again through his resurrection life, this makes all of these commands to rejoice and give thanks possible Mm -hmm. because we actually have his life in us. We have the understanding of who he is in us. And we see that even when our lives around us are unpredictable or even a bit falling apart, he is consistent. He is present. His strength doesn't fail. And we can thank him in the middle of everything. So these commands to give thanks in all things don't look like they did to me as an Adventist. It doesn't look like, okay, fine, I have a flat tire and a headache. Thank you for that, God. It's not that. It's that no matter what, we can thank Him that He's with us and providing for us and never failing, and He's our true Father. I love Colossians three twelve to 17, where Paul says this to believers. Now, this is not a command for unbelievers, because unbelievers can't thank God for what he does for them as a believer. It's it's theory until you have trusted him. But if you've trusted him, this is what the words of Paul are to us. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's our privilege to be able to thank Him that way. So as we think about Thanksgiving this week, I just want to say that there's some things in my life I want to thank God for. I really thank Him for the work He's given me to do for former Adventists. Even during a time when the world is unstable and the future is murky, I thank Him for this work. Nikki, I thank Him for this podcast. Me too. (laughs) For putting it on our hearts and for giving Richard the idea that we needed to do this. Mm -hmm. This has been a huge blessing for me, and I hope for others as well. And I'm thankful for the, the ministry and the commitment of the whole Life Assurance Ministries board. For Dale Ratzleff, to whom God gave the idea to found this ministry in 2000, and for those who have joined and have become part of the management of it, the leadership of it. I'm also thankful for having believing children and talented grandchildren and for the family that we'll share dinner with this Thanksgiving. And Nikki, uh, you understand this in a way that some people don't. I'm especially thankful for the turkey and the bacon (laughs) and for the fact that we'll wrap it together the night before. And I'm thankful for the fact that Richard actually eats it and enjoys it. (laughs) (laughs) He is too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He even says Thanksgiving morning is his favorite morning of the year because he wakes up to that smell of the slow roasted turkey and bacon that's been in the oven all night. I'm even thankful for Artie the Collie, (laughs) who came to live with us at the beginning of COVID and has fully owned us as his pack. (laughs) But really, I'm thankful for the people God is calling to himself. And I'm thankful for the fact that he is disclosing the heresy of Adventism to so many people who have been caught in that darkness, and he's bringing them to himself. I am thankful beyond measure for that. Me too. Yeah, I'm I'm very thankful for this ministry and for the people who have reached out to us and encouraged us along the way as we've done this new podcast. It's pretty young. We just started right before COVID hit. Yes. And, and did a significant amount of it separately. Yeah, we did. And God has blessed our work together, and He has touched lives, and they have been so kind to let us know. Yeah. And I'm thankful for the people who have written and have helped us see when we have not understood something correctly. I'm grateful for the the support and the willingness to approach us about that yeah. over this time. And I'm so thankful for the ways that God redeems our losses, for the people He puts in our lives to love for Him and who love us for Him. I'm thankful for the ways, and we'll get to this when we do our episode on marriage, I'm thankful for the ways that God has redeemed and restored and grown my marriage in Him and for the beautiful, amazing, very funny wonderful children he's given us. (laughs) They are. (laughs) And you know what? I'm thankful for my pets too. (laughs) You have some baby bunnies, don't you? We have many pets in our family. (laughs) He is so good and so faithful. And I have to say, I thank him for the ways that he has carried me through struggles after leaving Adventism. I am so thankful to know him in my suffering. Yeah. Me too. 
So as we close this Thanksgiving episode, I just want to remind you that you too can thank God and you can ask him to reveal himself if you do not yet know him and let him make this Thanksgiving the best one of your life. The first one, perhaps, where you know that you can actually thank him for giving you life. We love the people God has given us, and we love you whom we're working with and for, and we wish you a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you have questions or comments for us, write to us at formeradventist at gmail.com. Don't forget to visit proclamationmagazine.com and sign up for our weekly emails with links to articles, podcast transcripts, our YouTube channel, and other ministry news. You can also donate a year-end gift to the ministry at that web address. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and please leave a review wherever you listen. Join us next week as we continue our series in Life After Adventism. And we'll see you then. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.